0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. At this point, I'm just happy that it uh, looks like we're going to get shows out here, at least the first two days of this week, as the uh, battle with fates continues here on the Bespers home front. I actually forgot, going into yesterday's show, you guys heard that I was dealing with some Stuff here. Sick children. I forgot I was slated to have jury duty this week. <laughs> it's a laughable amount of stuff going on. I'm actually kind of surprised I fell asleep last night. I can just, like, feel my chest starting to tighten. Luckily, uh, I got to Jury duty. Uh, reported to early and told them that my kid had strep and I'm the primary child care at home, and they allowed me to postpone, so you'll be hearing about me, I'm sure, in about a month and a half, trying to figure out what's going on with jury duty on that front, but at least it uh, only threw a minor wrench into what is a very wrenchy week here on Fantasy NBA Today. I'm Dan Vesperus. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, everybody. It's Tuesday's edition, and we're just going to pick up where we left off. A little bit of news. Minimal minimal. We did have one, though. One piece of news that came out over the last 24 hours, and that is music to the Philadelphia 76ers ears. Yes! The Sixers matched the Utah Jazz three-year, $23 million offer sheet to B-Ball Paul. Paul Reed will stay a 76er, and now that team has four centers at least. Joel Embiid, Paul Reed, Mo Bamba, Montrezl Harrell. Some teams don't have any. Sixers are stockpiling backups in case Embiid misses more than 17 games this coming year, which it feels like they might. You know? He might, I guess we ought to say. Unfortunately, what we talked about last week, which... Oh, but I think we did have an Isaiah Stewart extension that may have popped up over the last day also. That one's sort of... Think it's been agreed upon, but maybe not signed yet. Unclear. Four year, $64 million deal for beef stew. So the Pistons still have a little bit of confidence, I guess, in him, although you're definitely not drafting him. I wouldn't think so, not with the James Wiseman, Jalen Duran stuff going on. I know they could run a too big. Where Stewart is your four. He showed himself to be a capable floor spacer. I just... I don't know. He's had some chances to try to flex a little fantasy muscle and hasn't really do it. And and as far as Paul Reed goes, all that does again... So the Sixers are happy, or Sixers fans are happy, and they should be. Paul Reed is fun. He's young. Uh, They're bringing in all these other big men, and so it seemed more and more like they were going to let him walk. And then they matched it anyway. Probably because and they they backloaded this contract to make it less tradable but that dude is good enough to be a tradable asset at the very least for the 76ers. That's not going to be one of those contracts where they're like paying another team to get off of it. So how much is he going to play? Probably not a ton. But for the games that Joel Embiid misses and then even in those you're going to see Bamba, you're going to see Montrez, you're going to see Paul Reed, they're going to do their whole thing. Hopefully Nick Nurse ha- settles into a I trust this guy mentality a little bit more than Doc Rivers did. Because Doc was, every once in a while, he just dropped Montrez Harrelin out of the sky in those spots. And that was complicated. I don't know. I guess I'm getting sidetracked by new, it was news, it was new news. that That hit on Monday. I can keep losing track of what day it is this week with all the crap I got swirling around my head it was news it wasn't uh game breaking news but it was news nonetheless and i don't you know this it really with these guys like Isaiah Stewart probably plays enough in deeper leagues to be on fantasy radars i just i don't think his game translates well enough in 12 teamers and then with Paul Reed the hope there is that he becomes a burger board guy that when Embiid misses what's sure to be anywhere from 15 to 30 games this coming season, you hope for 15, you pray it's not 30, that there actually ends up being a lead replacement. And I don't know if that's going to be Reed or Bamba. It seems less likely that it's going to be Montrez Harrell because he can't defend it all, but I guess you never know. But all we're really hoping for there is that we see Embiid miss his first game of the year, whatever it is, week, two weeks into the season, he gets a rest day. And in that game, we find out who Nick Nurse likes as the backup, which probably changes over the course of the year. That's the other side of this. You might see Paul Reed play the bulk of the backup minutes because he's kind of been there the longest in that first game. And Nurse is trying to teach everybody a new defense or a new offense. And then it's like, all right, well, look, you know what to do with these guys. So just go do what you do with this particular crop of teammates. But as the season goes, if... Say Bamba starts to figure it out better, which, I don't know, seems a bit unlikely given what we've seen at him over the years, but you never know. Then maybe he moves into the good graces and we could see a little bit of a rotating doghouse thing that goes on with these dudes. Reminder that you can find me on Twitter and on threads at Dan Bespris. Once again, the joys of having a non-repetitive name on the internet at d a n b e s b r i s same thing you can find it over on threads 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 i can speak i don't sleep anymore but i can speak sometimes part of the time summer league rolls along victor wembanyama is done for summer league got him to do a second ball game looked good spurs saw enough they decided nope we're not going to risk anything going on here and he is done. So, i'm assuming and then we'll see him more during training camp again that If Wambanyama has, like, anything of note during training camp, he may end up with an ADP inside the top 25. Maybe I'm getting a little out in front of myself, but I also don't know that I am. I can pretty much guarantee he's getting drafted inside the top 40. There's, like, almost no chance he falls back of that. What I'll say is, after watching him play, you're going to have some issues with field goal percent. You're going to have probably some issues with fouling. You're going to get some good blocks numbers. You're going to get some scoring. Probably improves as the season goes on. Because he's on a Spurs team that actually does have other guys that can go take a shot. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter. And suddenly you realize... Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be twenty-one plus, not available in all locations. Like a lot of rookies, you probably see him get better as the year goes on, or there'll probably be like a big burst right out of the shoot where teams are challenging him, but he has a lot of energy right out of the front right of the front end of things. And he'll rack up a bunch of stats first two weeks of the season. And people will be riding high. They'll think they got themselves a first-round pick. And then he'll taper off a bit. And he'll probably roll at like a top 45 clip for a while. He certainly has the, the fantasy profile to just sit easily inside the top 40, even when he's kind of stinking. But then getting over that next hurdle is going to be a big deal. But let's pick up where we left off. That's what we've been doing over the last three shows. We'll keep it going today because we still haven't even gotten back as far as Friday. We're still working our way backwards to that first Saturday. And we left off at Brooke Lopez, who signed a two-year, $48 million deal with the Bucs to come back to Milwaukee after having really his best season since Brooklyn. And it's hard to know exactly how much of that was contract year stuff. I've got to think at least a little bit. Because he went out there and he was more involved on offense than he has been in six or seven years. Took 11.5 shots per game. Shot what is basically a career best 53%. His rookie year he shot 56%, but he also didn't shoot any three-pointers that season. This year, made almost two threes a game at 37%. That was a career high from downtown. The original stretch five. That's not true. You go way back to... Plenty of players back in the 80s, 90s were stretch fives before it was vogue. Interesting thing about Brook Lopez is he actually had one of his worst free throw shooting seasons of his career, and it didn't matter. He was still so good at two and a half blocks per game. You could throw out last season because he just wasn't healthy. He had the back stuff. The year before that, he played 27 minutes a game at 1.5 blocks per game. Not that far off his historical numbers. This year, his blocks per game were colossal. But not unprecedented. In Milwaukee, his first two seasons with the Bucs, he was at 2.2 and 2.4 blocks per game. The Bucs have him in straight drop coverage, basically. And they're just like, look, you're either going to beat us by uh, shooting three balls coming off of screens with brook and drop, or... You're going to take it all the way to the paint, and Giannis and Brooke Lopez are going to be there to deal with you. And so Brooke has a crap ton of opportunities on this team. It was also nice to see him play the most minutes he's played per game, or frankly, by totals in a season, basically in his career, per game most since 2015. It's crazy. Back from the great beyond, Brooke Lopez puts up a top, 25 per game fantasy season. That is wild. Out of control. 78 games played on top of everything else. Matt, Brooke Lopez was number 10 by totals this year. But I'll tell you, as great as he was, I still don't believe that he's going to get drafted all that high. Maybe I'm way off the mark here. And maybe I'm completely underestimating how people feel about Brook Lopez now. But I still believe that after a full monster of a season that most folks playing fantasy sports look at Brook Lopez and see a fluke this last year. And they're not entirely wrong because what he did was, again, like... He's going career numbers this season in, how the hell old is Brooke Lopez now? Born in 1988? He's 35! He's a 7-foot, almost 300-pounder who put up one of his best seasons ever in his age 34 season. That is unprecedented. Incredible health, incredible consistency, massive blocks numbers, even the rebounds number. Best rebounding season he's had since 2016. Crazy. Yeah, he's had years where he's scored more than 16 points per game, but that was back when he was, like, the feature guy with the Brooklyn Nets, pretty early on in his career. 16 points per game, that's the most he's had since he left Brooklyn by a solid three points per game. I mean, we're talking 20% jump. So, sure, you look towards next year. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks roster still will likely lean heavily on a Brooke Lopez backstop. But it does kind of feel like there's a little bit of a drop-off coming. Question is, how much? And the other question is, this is a guy who was getting drafted after 110 this year. Hello, old man squad even if his ADP gets pushed up the board, a pretty good amount, which you've got to figure it will. How high do we think it could possibly go? Could you see Brooke Lopez getting drafted inside the top 50? I don't think there's almost any chance of that with the guys that people are going to want to take in that range. Like, just look at the guys from last year. Who had ADPs in the top 50? How many of those guys are actually going to fall out of that range? You know, like, no one in the top 20 is going to be falling all that far. Some of them will drop a little bit, but none are going to drop behind Brook Lopez. So then how far do you have to go to find somebody who could fall behind Brook Lopez in draft position next year? Rudy Gobert? Is that the one? But again, like, how does he push his way into this grouping? How many guys are going to have to get pushed down the board that people are much more excited about? I feel like the absolute highest you see Brook Lopez go is 50 this coming season. I don't know that I would take him at 50, but it does still feel like he could beat it. Anyway, good to have him back in Milwaukee because at least we kind of know what he's going to be doing. And, uh... Shouldn't be too tough to kind of rumble along from that. Where was I? I feel like I just lost my place. This is a lovely opportunity. Once again, remind you guys of our new partnership with our friends at calderalab.com. Remember, you can get 20% off with our code ethos at calderalab.com, or you can go to calderalab.com slash ethos. To unlock your youthful glow and be ready for summer with Caldera Labs. I'm on hashtag Team Caldera, ladies and gentlemen. We talked about first impressions the other day and how they matter. I was just, I was thinking about it today and it kind of popped back into my head here in relation to this Caldera Lab partnership that I rolled up to jury duty in a uh, Legend of Zelda t-shirt. My hair, basically the way it looks when I get out of bed, because I not that I rolled out of bed and went straight there. Far from it. I'd been awake for almost an hour and a half already, but I get out of bed. I make kids' lunches. I brushed my teeth, thank goodness, but I definitely didn't do anything for my personal hygiene. I've got my neck beard is coming in strong right now. Caldera Lab is just the kind of company that can fix that for me. And if I knew what I was doing better with the products that they sent me a day and a half ago, which I ran out of time to demo before this read because, you know, kid with strep throat, this would have been the perfect time to do it. Throw a base layer on, daily moisturizer, hydrate the skin, it absorbs fast, leaves with a matte, not a glossy finish. Clean slate, that's one minute to cleanse your face. Think if I had actually figured out what I was doing this morning and spent 90 seconds actually improving the way my face looked wandering into that i got very lucky that i was able to talk to someone and say uh my kids got strapped i really can't be here and they pushed it back a month but i mean i was almost stuck in that thing a whole day looking and smelling like someone who just got out of bed it's actually a great opportunity for me to talk about all the partnerships we have here on this podcast which is like hey can any of us work together to get dan presentable But I'm just thinking about Caldera Lab and and how they talk a lot about first impressions. My first impression to anybody that looked at me was, oh my god, not a good one. So get 20% off. It's so easy. Everything that they send, they've got a five-item regimen. You can even get away with just four. Each of them takes about 30 seconds, maybe 60 at the most. A couple of them in the morning, a couple of them at night. Again, we're talking like two, three, four minutes a day to... Improve fine lines, dark circles, puffiness around your eyes. Hydrate your skin. Take care of your face. 20% off at calderalab.com by using the code ETHOS. Jump into skin first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. And again, shout out to our buddy Dom over there for getting this bad boy set up here at Fantasy NBA today. We're still on Saturday as we roll forward D'Angelo Russell agreed to a two-year deal with the Lakers at $37 million. That one seemed to take a tiny bit longer to get going. But then looking back, uh, I think D'Lo had like a a camp or some sort of clinic that was going on on Friday, which not great scheduling for someone who was a free agent. But that just meant that it took, you know, an extra day for D'Lo... His uh, his agency group, the Lakers, to kind of all get together and hammer out the final details of that. And this is a good deal for all sides. D'Lo got 19-ish million dollars, 18 and a half, if you want to get really specific. And he provides the Lakers with something. And uh, Laker fans were were quick to write him off because he wasn't very good in the Nuggets series, but he had some huge games against the Warriors and the Grizzlies that he kind of carried the team. Big shots early. games. The games where the Lakers were able to kind of get out in front early, and run away, and get their key guys a little more rest in the playoffs. That was D'Lo. He shot the ball really well in L.A. in the regular season. I think he shot 41% from downtown. That's big. He's one of the few guys on the Lakers. And hopefully, this is as a Laker fan, hopefully the addition of somebody like a Torian Prince helps with this a little bit. Is a good corner three-point shooter. But the Lakers don't have that many guys that can just kind of get hot. You know, you think about teams who can get hot on a team. LeBron, obviously. AD, kinda. I mean, there are days where he gets hot mid-range jumpers, but a lot of what he does is going towards the bucket as part of other action. D'Lo's a guy who can get classically hot and take idiotic-looking shots, but they're going in. Three, four, five of them in a row. Bang, bang, bang. You guys remember? I think it was the Grizzlies series where he hit three three three-pointers in a row. Boom, boom, boom. And it was those ones where he's, like, kind of looking off to the side and then walks into it, fading almost left a little. Almost looks like a no-look three. That's the type of stuff he does all season long, and he had good numbers. Top 85 on a per-game basis with the Lakers. There's every reason to believe that that type of stuff is fairly repeatable. Imperfect, mind you. Uh, But, you know, I mean, looking at at the Lakers stuff, I'm trying to figure out exactly where the, the trade happened. The issue with him was that he didn't get many steals in L.A. So if you're like, oh, he was outside the top 120 during his time with the Lakers, yeah, he was beat up, too. He was missing games here and there. But 17.6 assists, 47 from the field, weird 74 at the foul line. That's a number you expect to level off. 0.6 steals is extremely low for him. Uh, D'Lo probably gets drafted pretty late. My guess would be 90-100 range. And I think he's a pretty safe play in that zone. And if I'm way off and he's getting drafted at, like, 75, I wouldn't do it. Because uh, it is. I mean, he'll have some nagging injuries, but he's likely to be the starting point guard. And if you're worried that Gabe Vincent is going to take all his playing time, I think there's plenty for Reeves, Russell, and Vincent to kind of split all together. And overall, Delo's going to get his 30 minutes a game. So I'm not super worried about that. He probably profiles as a 85-90 range guy this year. And uh, you yeah, know we'll see where he gets drafted. But I think he could end up being kind of like one of those oh no, I'm missing my guard stats guys in the mid-late rounds where you're not going to get a huge win out of it, but you're also probably not going to get a big loss. Who the hell was next? Where am I? What day is it? What universe am I in? Thomas Bryant, two-year deal with the Heat. That's a whole big nothing burger, although I guess it's a nothing burger board because if Bam Adebayo is out, Thomas Bryant becomes the very obvious replacement level player he'd have been lacking in who can we plug in for Bam out of bio luckily Bam is like one year there where he missed basketball games mostly he's been pretty damn healthy throughout his career Bam played 76 at 82 games so they didn't have to worry about who was going to be the fill-in you saw uh Nikola Jovic play a little bit there you saw a couple days of Omer Yurtsevin um I think didn't uh ah hell who am I thinking of here one of them old centers that's been bouncing around with Atlanta for a while. I don't know why I can't remember the name, but they they mixed and matched a little. This this probably simplifies that mess at the very least, where if Bam misses six ball games, you get six ball games out of Thomas Bryant. Otherwise, leave it alone. The sign and trade of Max Strus was the deal that happened before that one. Cavs get Strus. Spurs got GD Osman. Lamar Stevens in a second rounder. The Heat get a second rounder for playing nice in all of this. Cavs get uh, to overpay Max Strus. is probably how I needed to put that. There just isn't enough for him in Cleveland with uh, all due respect to Max Strus, He was number 208 this year in 28 minutes per ballgame. He took about 10 shots per game. His fantasy profile is exclusively three-pointers. He's a good foul shooter, but he doesn't get to the free-throw line. And then with Cleveland, they've got plenty of weapons there already. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, Karis Levert, Jared Allen, if you want to consider it that. Where is, you know, Struce is going to take the minutes of, like, an Isaac O'Coro who was playing a decent amount for this team, but, you know, what? Yeah, I don't know. I get it. Like, the Cavs felt like they needed floor-spacing, because they didn't have much beyond their main two guys. But that's a lot of money to give to Max Struess, and he's not going to do much of anything on the fantasy side unless a bunch of dudes are out. And if you're thinking Osman or Lamar Stevens gets to play in San Antonio, I got a bridge to sell you. Desmond Bain signed a five-year, $207 million max extension with the Memphis Grizzlies because he's freaking good. The Desmond Bain story this year is, in my opinion, kind of like the ultimate silver lining story of fantasy enthusiasts because I know I was pretty high on Bain. I I don't think he was on the old man squad, but I liked him a fair amount. He might have been on it. I forget. You guys might remember better than I do because I'm not sleeping right now. But we liked him. And he got hurt a bunch. Only played 58 ballgames this year. That's about two-thirds of the season. A little bit more. Missed 24 out of the 82 games. What's uh, what's a third of a of a season there? 28. But when he was on the floor, he was top 35 in 9-cat. And before he got hurt, he was top 25 in 9-cat. That's not to say that he was bad down the stretch. He was actually top 30 down the stretch as well. There was just sort of a, a block in the middle of the season where he was more like a top 45, top 50 play. I know. Woe woe is all of us. Bain is really good. John ja Morant is at it John ja Morant. John ja Morant is out for a third of the upcoming season. So that's more Desmond Bain. Dylan Brooks is gone although they brought in Marcus Smart, who has a similar shot-chucking profile. Not not quite as as chuckery as Dylan Brooks is. But, I mean, we're talking about Desmond Bain, who second half of the season, first half of the season, he was right around 16 shots per night. That might have to go up to 17 or 18 with John ja Morant out for a while. If Bain can stay healthy, he feels like almost a guaranteed ADP winner. Because he'll probably get drafted somewhere around where he finished this last year, mid to late 30s. I will take Desmond Bain at the end of the third, beginning of the fourth round, in 100% of my fantasy drafts this coming season, if that's where he's going. He has the ability, and I do think that there's a culture issue that's maybe finally being addressed in Memphis, and they're going to need Desmond Bain and JJJ to be the leaders on that team, while John Morant tries to sort out whatever's going on with him. Tyus Jones, by the way, gone as well. Not that he was a chucker, but you know, replacing a couple of guys basically with one. Yeah, we've got Luke Kennard. Fever. I need a Luke Kennard cowbell to get through that. But that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Desmond Bain, who can glide into top 40 numbers. Amazing foul shooter. Very good field goal percent for a guy who's hitting three three-pointers a night. Scores... Boards a little bit from that shooting guard spot, gets you a steal, half almost half a block. There's a ton to like. He's one of those shooting guard profile guys who can get over the hump because his field goal percent is pretty good and his three-pointers are pretty damn high, too. I think Desmond Bain has a chance to be a second rounder while Ja Moran is out. a chance. It's almost like a decent chance to be a top 25 guy while ja is out. And then Maybe higher, like maybe top 20 the first third to half of a season this year. So then even if he falls back into this mid-30s range the second half, the aggregate of that is mid to late 20s per game. And if he's durable, he blows the ADP out of the water. If he's not, eh, then maybe he misses it by a tiny bit. But it just, you know, it's one of those things where we talk about on this podcast, like trying to visualize the... The, the, the highlighted portion of the line in the sky. I don't want to go down this whole rabbit hole again because I have limited time this week. But just picture the ADP line as you know, just like, you know, regular black Bic pencil or Bic pen. You're writing across a white piece of paper. And at the far left side is 1, and at the far right side is 150. It was ADPs. So put Desmond Bain's ADP at 40. Put a little hash mark there at 40. Then take a blue highlighter and mark off final values on that same line across. How high do you think Bain could go? Could he be, if he's durable, could he be a top 15 play? I actually don't think it's out of the question. Bain could be a first rounder if he's durable this year. He could go top 12. It could be like the Brooke Lopez story. What's a low watermark? Well, he missed 24 games this season, and that kind of felt like about as bad as it was going to get, and he was number 67. So if 67 is truly a worst-case scenario, and honestly, I think it's probably higher than that this coming year because of how many games we know Ja is going to miss. Worst-case scenario for Bain is probably like 55 to 60 this coming season. So if you can get him at 40 and top gear is like 10 to 12 put that blue highlighter there and even if you just split the blue highlighter on your screen that's a good bet because it's harder to move up the board than it is to fall because it's bigger jumps between numbers you could do a weighted uh final values line there where you know 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10 those numbers are actually farther apart so it's like a distance thing instead of just counting the distance extends much farther in the positive direction for a guy like Desmond. Bain and the Grizzlies basically said, look, we want you here forever because you're awesome. We love you. Last name for the night, Tyrese Halliburton, who signed his five-year max. That could be as high as $260 million freaking dollars. That is a big extension, and Halliburton earned it. Number eight per game this year, 21 points, 10.5 assists, 1.6 steals, half a block, three three pointers on 49 87 splits. But of course, the issue with Halliburton is that his team is getting better around him. Pacers retained Miles Turner, got some interesting draft picks, traded for Obi Toppin. Again, I don't know how much that changes things, but trying to retool a bit in the front court. Could they unload someone like a buddy healed? But Benedict Matherin's gonna get too much. They got Jarrus Walker. Is Halliburton gonna get to do more? Is my question. I don't know how much more there is for a guy who likes to be more of a facilitator. How many more assists can he gather than 10 and a half per game? Which is second in the league only to James Harden. Big time assist numbers from Halliburton. So as I look at him at number eight, the one thing I'm thinking with Tyrese is that the Pacers are probably going to make a charge for that last play-in spot. I feel like they sort of had their two uh, the tank season, semi-tank and then another, like a fuller tank and then a semi-tank. They were in the mix this year for a while. When Halliburton got hurt is when they kind of fell out of it. He missed 26 games. That was the big fear, was shut down. There were actual injuries. Then there was kind of a shutdown with him. It fell feels like the Pacers are going to let him play a little bit more this coming season. Like, this was the one year where they said, look, Tyrese, we're not going to push you. You're our future. We need to build a little bit more around you. Just throttle back, and then next year, go nuts. So I love him as a top eight play this coming season. Per game-wise, I just don't know who he passes on that list in front of him. You know, I guess he could potentially pass Damian Lillard. If he doesn't, if he's ending up now as, I mean, he'll still be a 1A wherever he goes, but does 21 shots become, you know, 19 and a half if he's in Miami with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo? Does anybody else come from behind Halliburton to pass him is another question mark. Could Jason Tatum get back in front? Kawhi Leonard was ahead for most of the season after that slow start. So it just, it feels like Halliburton is in his little wheelhouse right now, which is like somewhere between 6 and 10 on a per-game basis, and then you hope for better durability this coming season. You guys remember, a lot of folks came on this podcast, talked about how insanely high they were on Halliburton. They were going to take him at two, three, four, whatever, and I said, guys, I think we're pricing him out, man. We priced him out. People wanted to overlook the possible shutdown there. People wanted to overlook the fact that his numbers are amazing. Don't get me wrong. He's like prototypical Dan vespers kind of player. Great percentages on top of all the other stuff at the top of the board here. But he got priced out last year. And now that people have seen it, I think there's going to be a settling. I don't think people are going to be like, oh, I got to take him third, fourth, like because there's another big jump coming. I think we saw the big jump. And now we should take what we've seen. Putting a pin in it. 30-some-odd minutes, and off we go. Thanks once again to CalderaLab.com. Promo code over there is Ethos for 20% off and free shipping. Check out the NFL Fantasy Pass or the All Sport Fantasy Pass, which is on sale for $7 a month right now for a very limited time. Later on this month, it goes up to $10 per month and will never come back down again. But if you sign up for the All Sport Fantasy Pass for $7 a month right now and never turn it off, you can keep it at $7 for eternity. Includes the Brewski 150 early, including NBA Draft Guide, NFL Draft Guide, NFL Sleepers, and Rankless. Baseball running right now in season premium. And then, of course, you'll get all the baseball draft stuff and rank boards when that comes around as well. That's all in the All Sport Fantasy Pass for $7 a month. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. I'm Dan Vesperis for Fantasy NBA Today. I'll see you on all the different social medias now. It's crazy, I know. Threads, Twitters. Whatever's. It's dad it's Dan Vespers no matter where you look. I keep it simple. See you tomorrow, everybody.